God, in the name of Jesus, let this word go into the hearts and minds of your believers, into the hearts and minds of all of us here and beyond, Lord God. Hallelujah, Lord God. Lord Jesus, may our hearts and spirits and minds be open to hear in the name of Jesus. Open up our hearing by the word of life, by the word of truth. Lord God, let it go down into our hearts and build faith in our hearts today. We pray humbly in the name of Jesus. Amen, amen. John chapter 4, verses 23 and 24. Simply says this, uh, we're... Uh, we're cutting right into the middle of a story. Jesus was uh, in Samaria. He felt like he needed to go into Samaria. Well, he didn't feel like he needed to go into Samaria. He, he knew by the word of the Lord he needed to go into Samaria. So he went into Samaria. We see a revival start breaking out in Samaria because he ended up spending a couple of days there uh, in, the, in and around the town of Sychar. And of course, it started at the woman that he met at the well. But at near the end of his conversation with her, he says in verse 23, but the hour cometh. Well, let's back up to 22. You worship, you know not what. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. Jesus is saying, you don't really even know what you're serving. You don't know what you're serving. But we do because we have the word. Praise God. We, we have been given this word from off the mountain. You have been given, unfortunately, a religion from Satan. If you don't understand what's going on here, the Samaritan religion was very, very close to Judaism. Now, we don't practice Judaism. And when I'm saying Judaism, I'm really just saying the belief of the word. I'm using that as a euphemism. We're not talking about modern Judaism. We're talking about what true believers in Jesus' day operated in. Alright? And when Jesus is saying salvation of the Jews, he's not saying the Jews can save you. He's saying the word of life that came to them from the mountain can save you. Amen. He's saying the same thing that Peter said. It was entrusted. Or what, what, maybe it was Paul. No, I think it was Peter. It was, no, it was Paul. Sorry, it was Paul. <laughs> I'll get it. I'll get it. He's, it was entrusted to them the oracles of God, right? Yes. They were the family in the earth that got the word of God delivered to them. First of all, it was delivered by the audible voice of God from off the mountain. Then it was given to them in tablet form. That was broken. And then Moses went back up there with his tablets and God wrote it on them one more time. And as far as we know, those ended up in the Ark of the Covenant. And wherever the Ark of the Covenant is today, they're probably still in there. Now we're not here to talk about Indiana Jones or any of that Crazy right, stuff, right, right. Or, you know, or treasure hunters. I, I'm just, I'm just saying. Hey, it was real in the Old Testament, and we don't know what ever happened to it. We have never gotten any word that it was destroyed. So there's some place on the earth that that Ark of the Covenant is probably still in existence. Even if it is, that box is not our salvation. Right, right. But the throne that it represents, and more importantly, the one that sits upon that throne is our salvation. Yes. And Jesus is telling that woman. At one point, he said. The person you're speaking with, I'm him. Amen. Praise you, yep. Jesus. Thank you, brother. Uh, by the way, you're talking to Messiah. You're talking to salvation. But he Praise gets so bold in saying, you don't even know what you're worshiping. And as we've discussed in the last couple of weeks, worship means service to God. You don't even know what you're serving. 
You are serving, but you don't really even know what. It is possible for us well-intentioned people to serve something we don't know what we're serving. Right, right. right. Yeah. Yep. We're not giving any praise to the enemy. But he can be pretty clever at times. Mm -hmm. The Bible says he's clever. Right. Mm -hmm. The Bible says he's subtle. The Bible says he's wily. Yes. The Bible says he has devices. But it also says we can stand against the wiles of the devil. Right. Right. We can know the devices of the devil. Yeah. And we can be well equipped to handle every deception he tries to give us. Yes. Right. So that when it comes down to it, we're really not going to have a lot of excuse. Because we can talk to Jesus every day. Every right. day. Yes. Right. And we can read his word every day, especially now. Yep. Yes. Praise God, especially now. Hallelujah. It's been hundreds of years now. It's been hundreds of years that the word of God has been freely available to just about anybody that wants. Well, especially in Europe and North America, there are still places in the world today where this is so precious. If they have just a couple of pages, right. they, they hold on to it like treasure far greater than gold. Amen. But... To a large portion of the world's population today, this is so easy to get to. Yes. Mm -hmm. We have the availability, especially us, right here yes. in the good old United States, we have the availability to look at this thing, read it, to study it, to yes. get into it, to love it. Praise you, God. Right. My mother used to uh, say that when she was a girl, she used to take her Bible and just hug it to herself. Amen. You know, almost as if she could just put it inside of her by physical force. <laughs> Folks, I believe Peter said it best, desire the sincere yes. milk of the word right, right. as newborn babes. Praise, Praise God. God. They're not shy about crying when Hallelujah. they're hungry. They're not shy about drinking when they're hungry. They're not shy about anything. If they want it, they go for it, right? right. right. And the Lord has allowed us to come to our God, right. and receive freely. Thank you, he's Jesus. talking to this woman, though. He's, he's talking to her, and uh, before the revival starts, he just tells her straight out, you don't really know who you're serving, but let me tell you what's going on. Yeah, yeah. Verse 23, but the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship him. And one more verse. God is a spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Now we're reading out of the King James Version. This is, uh, this is not old English. It's not even middle English. But it's older English. We'll say it that way. It's English we really don't speak anymore. And uh, there has been a lot of disagreement over the years. Of whether or not we should even read King James. I don't get into those wars. I'll tell you why I read King James in the, in the, in the church. There's one reason one reason alone. It's the Bible I grew up on. <laughs> it's the Bible I'm familiar with. It's the Bible I understand. I had a really good, uh, a good time understanding Shakespeare in high school because I grew up on this. And it's similar English, okay, around, this, around the same time. So I had no problem reading Shakespeare and understanding the things that he was saying because I grew up on this. And so to this day, you know, as habits do, but I don't need the King James Version. We can read any good version, all right? Amen. But if this doesn't work for you, pray about it. Right. I mean, sometimes we forget to pray about even what version of the Bible to read. That's true. That's true. If you're having a hard time with the, the antiquated English, then get another translation. And let God tell you which one to get. Right. Right? Yep. He, he's, listen, the, the Israelites, if they didn't have enough money to put a bull up on the altar, you know what they could do? 
Well, I should say a, a, a goat for a sin offering. Uh, if they didn't have enough money to put a goat up there, you know what they could do? They'd take a couple of pigeons, basically. Amen. Turtle doves. Right? Yes. If they didn't have enough money for a couple of birds, you know what they could do? They could throw some flour on the offering. Yes, yes. Thank you, Jesus. And the Lord's not excluding so anyone. Good. You know, yeah. Yeah. if, if you, the Jesus. Lord has given you a great education or a great intelligence or a great understanding and uh, a large amounts of knowledge, wonderful, that's great. But if you cannot... Uh, if you cannot attain to that level because of your own circumstances in life, the Lord's not leaving you out. Amen. There's been too many years in Christendom yes. Yes. where it's been said only clergy can really understand this and only clergy can really uh, uh, interpret it for you. Yes. That's a lie from hell. Mm -hmm. Hey, we're, we're not just willy-nilly throwing out authority. No. Amen. There's a reason for leadership. Yes. There's a, legion, le, uh, a reason for ministry, right? Amen. There's, a, there's a reason that God chooses the method of having a man stand in front of you and deliver you to the Word of God. Yes. Okay? It's not because he's the smartest guy in the room. That was never the intent. But I'm so, we're, we're to worship him in spirit and truth. But here's the thing. How can we worship him in the truth, which is the Word of God? How do we know that? Because in this same book, in John 17, 17... The Lord praying said, sanctify them, his, his disciples, the ones that are his. Sanctify them with your truth. Mm -hmm. Right. Your word is truth. Mm -hmm. Amen. So we know this is the one Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. We can go right back. That was John 14, 6. Yeah. And in the same book, we can go all the way back to chapter 1, and where he says that... The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Mm -hmm. Right? Yes. Amen. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We know He's the Word. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. The same yes. was in the beginning with God. Listen. He's the Word. He is the Word. Mm -hmm. And if you can't understand four or five hundred year old English. I know the book is four hundred years old. But they were basing it on the Tyndale Bible. Which is five hundred years old. So the language in this book is already a hundred years old when they printed it. So we're really talking about five hundred year old English. If that's not your education level. Don't you dare let the devil make you uh, ashamed. Just get something in prayer. Understanding. Yes. Go to a Bible bookstore. Or come to me. Or come to someone who has a know-how in these things. And say, what's a good translation? Because how are we going to serve God in truth if we can't hardly understand the truth of reading? I don't read a Spanish Bible because I don't understand it. It might be a great translation in Spanish. Right. But I don't bother reading one because I can't understand it, right? Come on. If this is so what we do is we take a long time, even though we read King James in church. We take a long time to explain it because we want to make sure you're getting the word. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Hallelujah. The word Praise is life. Jesus. Amen. Praise God. The words that Jesus speaks to us are spirit and life. Amen. Amen. Yep. So how can his words be spoiled? Because you can't speak a word without breath. Mm -hmm. Right. We're going to talk a lot about spirit and truth here. If the Lord allows me, what time we got? Praise God. Plenty of time. We got Amen. another three hours. I hope, you're, hope you had your lunch already. Yes. Praise God. Praise God. Right, here we go. I know some of you are getting scared. God is a spirit. They that worship him, serve him, must serve him in spirit and in truth. Yes. Spirit and truth. You can't just have the truth, though. Right. If the Holy Ghost is not lighting it up for you, it's going to be a problem. Why? 
Well, let's turn to Matthew 26, 41. We're just going to break right into this. Matthew 26, 41. You can also turn to chapter, uh, Mark chapter 14, verse 38. It says something very similar, but we're going to look at Matthew 26, 41. Praise God. Everybody got it? Matthew 26, verse number 41. says, watch and pray. This is Jesus in the garden talking to his, again, his disciples. He says, watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Mm-hmm. Folks, the devil tries to lie to us and tell us we don't have, we don't have much in this game. We can't do it. We're just too weak. We're too something, right? I'm not educated enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not wise enough. I'm not rich enough. Whatever it is, the devil will play on your own fears. That's why we got to get rid of fear. Mm-hmm. We've got to get rid of every yeah. kind of fear because every fear we have in our life is just another platform for the devil to walk all over your mind. Amen. Right. Yeah. And get you thinking stuff that is not the word of God. We get this idea that I just, I, just, I can't live a holy life. We, we've heard years ago, it used to be a really common statement. The only way to live above sin is if you live above a bar. They used to say that all the time. And it was a really popular statement that really kind of caught on. Oh, yeah. Uh, thank God we're saved by grace because we cannot stop sinning. Well, it's by grace that you can stop sinning. Right. Right. Are you telling us we can live a holy life? Jesus lived a holy life. In fact, he lived a life so sinless that even though he was tempted in every way like we were tempted, he went through this life without sin. Now, you say, well, that's Jesus. We can't do that. As long as you tell yourself you can't do it, you can't do it. Oh, well, I'm just human. Well, that's true, and so was Jesus. Mm-hmm. He wasn't just a human, though. Right. He was the fullness of the Godhead bodily. bodily. Yes, amen. amen. All of God. He had the Spirit of God without measure. Amen. But we have the Holy Ghost, too. Yes. Yes. I mean, how much of the Holy Ghost do you need to be like Jesus? If you have the Holy Ghost... Yep. You have enough to be like Jesus. Right. Right. <laughs> the Holy Ghost. Praise you, Jesus. See, a lot of times we, we hear that verse that Jesus had the Holy Spirit without measure. And we think, oh, yes, he had the fullness of the Spirit indwelling his human form. Uh, but we only have a, a little bit of the Holy Ghost. In fact, doesn't Paul say it's the earnest? You know, it's the earnest of our inheritance. Earnest means down payment, right? right? Or uh, the, the, the principal or just the, the seed money, right? Anybody yep. with me? Yep. Yes. So even Paul says it's not the whole thing. It's only just a little bit. But I'm going to tell you right now, uh, the Holy Ghost is like a pond or a river or an ocean. Uh, not a river. Yeah, a river, a uh, lake, an ocean, right? I mean, yeah. what part? If you scoop a little bit of water out of that river, I mean, what part of that river did you get? The, the part right in front of you? No, it's flowing. It's uh, that, that area that that water you scooped out is already washed down the, the river before you even think about it, right? Amen. I mean, right. if you take two handfuls of water and you put them together, you've got one handful of water, basically. Mm-hmm. Okay? And, and how, if you pull your hands back together, is all the water that used to be in this hand still in that hand and vice versa? 
No, it's a, it mixed around so fast that now there's mixture. In fact, you can do an experiment. You can take water in, in one hand or in one cup and uh, put red food coloring in it, put another cup over here, and just let them touch for just a second or two, and you've already got mixture. Right. You can see how the water starts mixing around, right? Well, that's the way it is with the Spirit. What part of the Spirit do I got? And what part do you have? Well, the Spirit's a river itself. He says, if any man thirsts, let him come to me and drink, and out of his belly, our innermost being, will flow rivers of living water. And John interprets this for us again in the book of John, chapter 7. He interprets and says, this is talking about the Holy Ghost. Yeah. A Holy Ghost wasn't yet given because Christ was not yet crucified, but it's something about how it works. It's a river, it's rivers, plural, coming up out of our innermost being. So when we, when we start thinking... Falsely, that we have the Spirit with measure, we, we start thinking we don't have enough. But when we're serving Him with Spirit and with truth, you understand there's a lot more truth than you know, and there's a lot more Spirit than you have. Or than you think you have. Sorry, than you think you have. All I'm trying to say is it's not impossible. Don't listen to the devil and let him tell you that you can't be holy. Amen. There's only one reason why I'm saying these things to this group of people right now. It's because the devil has lied to folks and said, you can't live holy. You can't. It's impossible. And so we have to come up with ideas of how are we going to get saved even if we can't live holy. Well, we, we have to make God break his own character so that we can kind of twist our minds enough into the right confirmation to say, okay, that's the way it works. We don't need to mess up our minds. Right. All right? In fact, we, according to Romans chapter, what is it, 12? I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be ye not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by what? The renewing. The renewing of your mind. Titus 3, 5 says we're not saved by works of righteousness that we've done, right? right, right. But it's by the washing of of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. So we see a renewing of the mind and we also see the renewing the Holy Ghost, the transformation of mind by the, by the renewing. Amen? Amen? Praise God. We have the Word and we have the Spirit to keep all these things straight. Now you're not going to get it all in five minutes. Don't try. It's a walk. It's a walk. So we're, we're talking a lot about Spirit and flesh, uh, spirit, and truth. But here, here's the problem with operating in the spirit. You do have weak flesh. That's what Jesus said. Right. Uh, if you're like me, I often wonder, how can a group of men walk around with Jesus for any amount of time? Two days, six months, three years, whatever it was, right? Mm -hmm. How could, I mean, because it wasn't just the 12, right? We, we get the idea that there was many other people that followed him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, when you, when you watch the Jesus movies or the Jesus shows, if you watch those things, uh, you'll often see him walking around with a small group of men. Mm. Um, the most modern show shows him also walking around with Mary Magdalene. I, I don't know if that's true or not. That's their interpretation of it. And, uh, it, you know, anybody can interpret it any way they want to. But the Bible is it. Has, is of no private interpretation. So the idea is usually he's walking around with a small group of people. But what the 
Bible kind of gives us a clue into often is that he's walking with a good group of people. Yes. He sends like 70 disciples out one time. Yes. Well, he had to have 70 disciples. Right. Right. We think he only had 12 guys that were his students. No, 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 no. He had a bunch of students. Right. Yep. He had 12 apostles. Yes. Right. The book of Luke says he had ordained them apostles yes. or sent ones. Now, were all the disciples that he sent out sent ones? Yes. But did they all have the office of an apostle? Well, no. And, and so there were special men, and we often focus on just the 12, and really, we don't even focus on all the 12. Who are the popular ones? Peter, James, John. You know, we hear mostly about those guys. And, well, that's true. Even here in the garden, what he does is he sets, like, eight of the guys aside, right? Mm -hmm. Judas was already gone. He puts a bunch of them aside, and he takes three of them in, in further. And then he goes, if you put all the Gospels together, you see that he goes even a little further. And then he's praying, he's praying, he's praying, he's praying. He's sweating, he's bleeding, he's, he's you know, crying out to God, if at all possible, let this cup pass for me, you know. And then, nevertheless, then he gets up and he sees his boys over there asleep. And these are his, his powerful boys, right? Peter, the rock, you know, or you, maybe, you, maybe you could call him Rocky, you know. Uh -huh. Hey, go get him, Rocky, you know. Don't let him do that to you. The, you know, Peter's the impetuous, you know, bold one. He's the one that whips out the sword and cuts ears off, right? Yeah. You know, then you've got James and John, the sons of thunder. Yeah. You know, these guys are so fiery, they said, Hey, Lord, why don't you just let us call fire down from heaven? He said, Whoa, 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 boys, you don't even know what spirit you're of. He never said they couldn't call fire down, though. Right. He just said, You've got the wrong attitude right now. You can call down fire. <laughs> and you will call down fire. But not in the form that you think. We're not here to fry people like Elijah. Okay? You're here to save people. Amen. Fire came down. But even the three powerhouses, the inner circle of Jesus' ministry, his, his, his chief apostles, if you will, even they fell asleep and he said, what's the matter? You can't even pray an hour? Remember the old song, Sweet Hour of Prayer? Uh -huh. Sweet Hour of Prayer. Anybody remember that old one? Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. that, that, that kind of got chiseled down to a moment of silence. Okay, we're done. All right, let's move on. Let's have a moment of silence for the Sweet Hour of Prayer, shall we? He says, you know, the Spirit's willing. You know, if you can take anything home today, if you can take anything home today, any of you, Take home that part right there. Yeah. I'm not saying to ignore the flesh's weak part. I'm just take, take home the part that says the spirit is willing. There's something inside of you yes. that wants to serve God. Yes. I don't care if you, you have done the wickedest things in the world and gotten involved with every kind of sin there is a sin to do. There's something inside of everybody. The most wicked men down through the ages. There was something inside of them. Jesus went so far as to say, haven't I chosen you 12? And yet one of you is a devil. Yeah. Not being very careful to who I'm looking at when I say that. <laughs> we've seen it happen before. Pastor looked right at me when he said that. I'm not accusing anybody of being devils. What I am saying is I'm repeating what Jesus said. He was looking at his boys. He looked at them right in the eyes and said, I've chosen all of you. And yet one of you is a devil. 
Well, what do you mean? Well, was one of them an actually an evil spirit? No, come on, we know. We know what he was saying. One of you is being influenced by evil spirits. <clears throat> now, let's catalog this for a second. If God's speaking that to this crowd right now, that means God needs us to be aware we can be influenced by evil spirits. Okay? You can ignore the word all you want, but if the Lord is telling it to you, we need to understand, hey, I could be sitting here right now being influenced by an evil spirit. Don't play around with that stuff. What happened to Jesus? He's called forever the son of perdition. He was prophesied in the Old Testament and let another take his office. If there's one person in all of history that we know is not going to be with Jesus, it's Judas. And yet Jesus picked him personally. Is, is this a fear tactic? Is this a manipulation? No. No, it's, we're trying to make you aware of something. The spirit inside of you is willing. We know Judas is willing. Why would he have followed him at any length of time if he wasn't willing? But there was one time, some, and it probably didn't happen in one event. It probably was like the song says, it was a slow fade, right? Mm -hmm. Judas started getting disgruntled with stuff, maybe. I don't know. We don't know the process. We're just guessing at this part. But at one point, Judas didn't like something Jesus said. He didn't agree with something Jesus said. I don't like what Jesus is saying right now. It hurts my feelings. And if you don't think Jesus hurt anybody's feelings, read it again. He wasn't shy about speaking the truth right to people's faces. And especially to his own. Hey, I've, t I've invested too much in you folks to, to, to let you just get away with it. He looked right at Peter one time and said, get behind me, devil. Satan, right? Accuser of the brother. Adversary. Get behind me. I don't, I don't want my enemy behind me. I mean, he might stab me in the back, but Jesus wasn't worried about that. He said, get out of my face, is what he was saying. That was rude. Yeah, and it was right, too. We think, we think uh, harshness and rudeness is always wrong because of our pampered Christian lives. Yes. So Judas, along the way, didn't like the straightforward word. He didn't agree with something. He didn't like something he was saying. And he stored it in his heart. Instead of giving it up to God and praying and going to Jesus and saying, Master, I, I really just don't, I just don't like what you said there. He let it fester. He let it fester. It grew, it grew, it grew. And then after a while, everything Jesus said just confirmed that, that Jesus wasn't speaking right. And Jesus had the wrong idea. And Jesus had the wrong spirit. And at one point when Jesus made it clear to all these boys that, hey, I'm not here to be a king. I'm not here to be a natural king. I'm not here to kick the Romans out of Israel. I'm not here to be rich. I'm not here to do any of these things. I'm actually going to die. At that point, Judas is like, what are we doing? And he did have a money problem. He had a money problem. He went and sold Jesus out for a little bit of money. Actually, it was a, it was a good amount of money, actually. Let's not, let's not make it cheap. He did sell Jesus out for a hefty sum for those days in that culture, all right? Right. I mean, my goodness, even 30 pieces of silver in this culture, you know, if it's pure silver, it's going to be worth something, all right? But, uh, yeah, he, you know, let's not cheapen it too much, but he did sell Jesus out for money. Mm -hmm. He sold the Lord of creation out. 
for money. His flesh was weak. That's why he did it. But if we can carry something home today, the Spirit's willing. There, there was a willingness in Judas to serve God, right? Praise God. Let, let's turn over to Romans chapter 8. I'm going to read a little bit in Romans chapter 8. Hallelujah, Jesus. If we're going to serve the Lord in truth, then we, we need to get the truth. The Word is truth. So we need to get into a form that we can deal with, understand, take part of it. Jesus went so far as in John, again, in the book of John. John chapter 6, he says, Eat my flesh and drink my blood. That's pretty sick. In fact, it was so disturbing when he said it, a lot of his disciples walked away at that moment. Again, not just the people, random folks in the crowd. I'm talking people who were followers of him, who called themselves students of him. That was a big thing back in those days, to have a teacher. It was a big thing. It was a big thing to... Uh, attach yourself to a teacher. I was talking to Brother Tim about this last week, I think. You know, when Paul says he sat at the feet of Gamaliel, or Gamaliel, understand what he was saying. Uh, we're all in a room. You're all kind of scattered out in a room. And if we were in kind of the old, old days of the Middle East, or Near East, whatever you want to call it, you know, the teacher would often sit on an elevated place, a chair or stump or bench or something, and his students would kind of gather around him. And the ones that were closest to him and his higher level students, they would sit near his feet. The ones that really wanted to hear and get everything they could, they would come right up to the teacher and sit at his feet. But it also meant that if the teacher needed anything, so much as a cup of coffee, who's going to go get it? Those guys sitting right at his feet. Right? Well, who else is going to say, you know, hey, Paul, Saul, whatever. Go get me the scroll of Isaiah. We need to talk about that for a few minutes. He would have gotten up, ran, very carefully delivered that scroll into the teacher's hand. It was a big deal to be identified with your teacher. Now, Gamaliel was a national treasure. Everybody knew him. He, he was what was referred to as a Rob Mag. He was a national treasure. It didn't matter if you were Pharisee, Sadducee, Herodotan, Libertine, or what have you. Everybody respected and understood this man's a great man because he teaches the word of God. And anybody that could graduate into a level that they could sit at his feet like that was someone pretty special. Years and years later, probably after the teacher's death, Paul says, I sat at his feet. I was one of his prized students. And if you were a prized student of Gamaliel, you were something special in Israel. If you could give that as your credential. And then Paul says, I threw all those credentials on the rubbish heap. But all I'm trying to say is that the you know, people that were really in were the ones that were close. We're talking about students of his. Students of his at that point said, we're no longer students of yours. Because eating your flesh and drinking your blood, that's just a little too weird. Yeah, Brother, brother Kerry snickering. Yeah, I know. It is a little weird. But see, this is what Jesus does. He tells us things that brings us beyond the natural level. 
They'll even tell us shocking things. No one's pr uh, uh, endorsing cannibalism. Obviously, we know that. But every one of those Jews would have understood the bread and wine ceremony. Established all the way back in Genesis 14 with uh, Melchizedek and Abraham, right? Mm -hmm. They sat together. Abraham gave him tithe. And they sat and they had bread and wine together. And Abraham said, Blessed art thou, king of the universe, who brings forth bread from the earth. Right? And brings forth wine from the, from the vines. Okay? This is, this is something that, now, that's not exactly how it's said in Genesis. But they, they got these blessings out of that. They, blessed is God who brings these things. All right? And this was the, the early prophetic picture of what Jesus was going to do many years later. He's going to give his body, which he calls the bread of life, the manna from heaven. He's going to give his blood, right? going to give his blood. Mm -hmm. And if we're not partaking of his word and spirit, this is what they represent, then we're not going to have any part of him. In other words, we have to take him into us. We have to take this word into us. We have to take his spirit into us. Amen. You can't just let it roll over us. This is the reason why when we talk about even reading the Bible, we're not just talking about reading your three chapters a day and make sure you got through your Bible this year. Okay? I'm not going to ask anybody to raise your hand if you finished reading your Bible last year. I'm not going to. You know, we're not here to embarrass anybody or compare. This is not a competition, right? But what we are going to do at the beginning of this year is say, yeah, try to read your Bible. But you don't even have to think about, I'm going to try to read it all year long. Hey, just read it as much as God tells you to read it. If you read the Bible five times this year, it's not going to hurt you. But we're not just trying to read the Bible in a year or five times a year. When we're reading something, you know, when I read my Bible these days, I rarely get through a part of a chapter. Rarely. You know why? Because God starts talking to me, even just in a little passage of Scripture. Amen. And usually what happens is it sends me over to here, and then over to here, and then over to here, and over to here. And a lot of times, I don't even get through a chapter of Bible reading. So if you ask me, if I read my whole Bible last year, I'd probably have to tell you, no, I did not. Because there's never a time where I went from Genesis 1 all the way to Revelation chapter 22 in succinct order. I just didn't do that. So I don't know if I read the whole Bible last year. I read a lot of it. And more importantly, I read the parts that God led me to. Amen. That's <laughs> Amen. You know what I mean? You know, and when I was reading it, I wasn't just uh, knowing that brethren that I speak to them, that not the law, that how that they have the dominion over me. No, 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 no. I'm not trying to just get through it like a homework assignment. I'm trying to let this thing speak to me. Yes. Amen. Put it into me. Yes. So when we're reading Romans chapter 8, it says, this is the letter Paul wrote, obviously, to this church that he did not establish, and he's never been there, according to his own words. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, the law of sin and death could not do, in other words, listen, just because God says if you do something, I'm going to kill you for it, does not stop people from sinning. How do we know? Because it didn't stop the Old Testament saints from sinning. Right. I'm 
glad I got one, uh, one agreement here. You guys went silent on me. Just talking about law again, oh my goodness. Can we all gather this yeah. together? Yes, okay. How do we know that if God tells us, if you do something wrong, I'm going to kill you for it. How do we know that, that that alone will not stop us from sinning? How do we know? Because we have plenty of examples in the Old Testament of people that knew if they so much as pick a, pick a stick up on the Sabbath that they could get stoned for it. Mm -hmm. yeah. But they still sinned, mm -hmm. didn't they? Yeah, yes. They sure did. Yeah. They still sinned. Now, we don't have a lot of reference in the Old Testament about people and uh, capital punishment and executions. We don't have a lot of examples. We do have some. We have some like Uzzah who just tried to stabilize the ark. Died. Because he was a priest and he should have known how to transport the ark. He neglected the word. He said, well, what law did Uzzah break? And he broke the law that says you got to carry the ark this way. That's the law he broke. So, well, weren't they all breaking it? Why didn't they all get killed? Well, it was Uzzah who was trying to help out God in a form of religion, if you will, who died for it. So, uh, you know, even David got upset with God. He, he got angry with the Lord. You have caused a breach to come out against Uzzah. Right? He named the place Perez Uzzah because it was a breach against Uzzah. David got upset. Hey, that's, that's one of my... I'm the king here. This is one of my priests. And you're killing a priest just for doing the right thing? How about Nadab and Abihu? Mm -hmm. They might have even have thought they were doing the right thing. Well, what law did they break? Well, they, they didn't take the fire off the altar. As simple as that. You know, this was unintentional. So we do see sometimes people die from seemingly innocuous mistakes. You know, it shouldn't have been that serious. But this is the seriousness of God. He's not playing games. But what Paul is saying here is like what the law of sin and death could not do in that it was weak through the flesh. So why can't God work as powerfully as he is? Well, he can do anything. There's nothing impossible to God. God is not just a God of all, all possibilities. He's a God of all impossibilities. <laughs> if he says it can be done, it's done already because he said it. If he said it exists, it's done because he said it. Even if it was previously untrue, as Brother Jeffers always points out, if he said something that was previously untrue, it becomes true because he said it. And so it, we're not just talking about the God of every possibility because can you catalog every possibility? You, 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 anybody? Can we, do we have enough brain capacity to think of every possibility there is? No, we don't. In fact... Paul, in another book, Ephesians 3.20 says, He is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think. So in other words, as much possibility as you give God credit for, God's saying, I can do greater than that because you can't even quantify all the possibilities. But how about this one? I can do every impossibility. A clever man years and years ago talked about 99 things impossible for God to do. I said, I call him clever. I don't call him, call him very uh, wise, but I do call him clever uh, because he wrote a book that catches people's attention, especially Bible believers. Wait a minute, 99 things God can't do? Huh? 
And so we start reading. What are you looking in there for? Come on. The Bible says there's nothing impossible. You know, it, it's just like something to pique our interest to uh, jack up uh, bottles, uh, or book sales. Come on. You know, it's a catchy way of, 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 to get people to read your book. Well, I can read about two or three pages in the bookstore and say, yeah, whatever. <laughs> oh, God can't lie. Well, we already covered that one. So God could do anything. Yes, but when he does it, it's not wrong. It's not a lie. It's not a sin. Because he's God. Amen. 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 Yes. It, become, it becomes righteous. But the law couldn't do it because of our flesh, not because of God. God telling us that we're going to fry if we do something wrong did not stop us because of our own flesh that was already had a sin nature in it. God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. Praise God. Amen. He already covered that in the last chapter. Who will save me from the body of his death? Oh, wretched man that I am. Who can save me? I thank my God through Jesus yes. Christ. So he's already covered that part, but he goes on to say, in verse 4, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. So what Paul is saying through the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, that it is possible to walk after the Spirit and not after the flesh. John says in 1 John chapter 1, he says, listen, if you walk in the light as he is in the light, Jesus says, be ye perfect as my Father in heaven is perfect. Every one of these scriptures is a tall order. But not impossible. Because we have the God of the impossibles living inside of us. So it's not impossible. You know, well, pastor, I guess I'm just going to go out and buy a few bed sheets and wrap myself in a some sort of a toga garment, and I'm going to just go take my little cup of beans and my little jug of water and sit up on a hill somewhere and just become a, some sort of a, a monk, because that's the only way I'll ever stop sinning. No, you won't stop sinning even if you do all that. Right. True. You can lock yourself away. You can put yourself in a cage. But the Lord says, I break the bars of iron asunder, and I destroy the gates of brass, right? I rip them apart. See, it's man's plan to put us in a cage if we're doing something wrong. Now, listen, I hope I will not offend anybody by saying the next thing I'm about to say because I know there's a lot of good things that can come through programs and have helped a lot of people. But when it comes to programs like uh, uh, AA and things like the NA and whatnot that, as Brother Chris points out, they started with good stuff years back, way years back. They started out really good. Here's the problem. In order to get you to stop doing whatever it is that you know you wouldn't be there if you know you didn't want to stop. But the way that they get you to stop is by putting you in a cage. Just lock yourself away. But it's not a real cage. It's a cage of the mind. It's a cage that we have a key to. And we can really unlock anytime we want, right? That's the problem. The problem is God's never put us in a cage. It says, I'm anointed to break people out of their cages. So the answer is not just staying away from drugs or alcohol or any other addictive thing. Mm -hmm. right. Amen. Uh, this is by no way of any kind of a brag. This is just a personal thing. And please don't get scared. God's not telling us to stop eating sugar. 
Can everybody be okay here for a minute? God has told me several times, starting last September and again to be, uh, at the middle of December, cut sugar out of your life. That was a personal word to me. I don't preach personal words to the church. I'm just giving you an example. God told me that. I should be able to live in my house with sugar in my house. I should be able to live with sweets around somewhere in some form. And when you have a little kid, there's usually some little treat hanging around somewhere. And when you go to a, a birthday party uh, and you come home with bags of candies, there's a lot, a lot of sweets hanging around. And, and sometimes, yeah, you just kind of look at that bag. <laughs> but we should, if God tells you to do something, we should be able to just not do it. <laughs> okay? Because if God tells me not to do it and I do it, doesn't that become sin to me? Whether or not it ever said Thou shalt not eat sugar in the Bible, okay? And we know it doesn't say that. But to me, it would be wrong. But I should be able to go in there and walk right by it, maybe even give a little bit to my daughter at times or, or, or work with it or do something, and it'd be right there in my midst and me just ignore it. Right. That's freedom right there. That's not bondage. God, God didn't put me in bondage. He gave me freedom of the spirit to be able to walk through the valley of the shadow of death and not have to fear evil because I know God is with me. Amen. Hallelujah, Jesus. Let's move on. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Again, flesh and spirit, flesh and spirit. We can do it. Verse 5. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. Now, uh, quickly, let's turn back to John, John chapter 3. Keep your finger in Romans. I'm going to go back there. John chapter 3. We see that Jesus is talking in, in scriptures that we're probably very familiar with. In verse number 5, he says, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, he's talking to Nicodemus, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. So he says, Don't, don't marvel that I told you you've got to be born again. And Paul comes along and says, Hey, listen. For they that are after the flesh do mind. Or in other words, it's on their mind. We talked a little bit about this uh, maybe last week or a couple of weeks ago. It's like when we're, when we're talking about healing, we almost always think about physical healing. When we talk about wealth, we almost always think about material wealth. When we talk about a home, we always think about a domicile. It, why? Because we almost always, without training of the Holy Spirit, we almost always think materialistically, Physically, carnally, fleshly. Right? There's a lot of people that don't want to be healed in their minds. You know why? A lot of people don't even want the wounds in their hearts healed. Folks, if you've got emotional damage in your heart, this is the place to be. You can get deliverance in this, in this house right here. I'm not talking about I'm the man. I'm saying... He's our God. Yeah. Yeah. Lord Jesus Christ can heal you in this place. But he can also heal you in your home. A lot of times it's just facing it. I've got a lot of hurt. I've got a lot of fear. I've got a lot of shame. And it will never go away unless you face up to it. Praise God. If God's delivered you those things, you ought to be praising God every single day. Because that stuff will stop your walk quicker than anything. Amen. 
Walking in fear. We don't have to walk in fear, folks. That, that, that is not of God to walk around in fear. Trying to save our lives. Jesus tells us very quickly, you try to save yourself, you will lose your life. All right? Amen. That's the word. That is the word. And he goes on to say this in Romans 2. I mean, yeah, Romans chapter 8. He says, listen, for to be carnally minded is death. But that's what we do. See, when we mind fleshly things, what he's saying is, when we're, our mind is always on that. Again, let me just finish my thought a minute ago. A lot of times we don't even want to explore emotional, mental, or spiritual healing. Why? Because it's too painful. And we always get to thinking, Lord God, just heal my body and I'll be happy. No, you won't. Because if God heals your body and he gives you the strength and the vitality of a 20-year-old, if you're not healing your heart, you're just going to go out and do all the things that damaged you in the first place. Or you're just going to carry through the damage that you received in your childhood or whatever. Come on, can anybody hear me? This is exactly what you're going to do. And you're just going to get yourself back into a state of uh, unwellness or ill health, I should say. Here he says, for to be carnally minded is death. To be spiritually minded is life and peace because the carnal mind is enmity against God for it is not subject to the law of God, neither can, indeed can be. A lot of times we, we try to look at the law as something we don't have to do anymore. What Paul tells us is you can't. You can't obey the law. They couldn't obey the law. Nobody could obey the law. But with the Holy Ghost inside of us, like uh, Jeremiah 31, 30, uh, 30, sorry, 31, 31, I think. Anyway, he says, listen, he writes his law on our hearts. That's what the Holy Ghost is. He puts his word inside. He writes it right on us. You know, we might as well have those Ten Commandments etched right in our tablets of stone here. What, what the Proverbs calls the tables of our heart. Yes. Right? Yeah. He writes it right on there. And it becomes a part of us. It becomes a part of us in every heartbeat, every breath. But again, every spiritual heartbeat. I'm not trying to get too, uh, you know, but listen, that's the way it works. Amen. Carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God. It cannot be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwell in you, now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. But he goes further than that. He goes further than that. He says, you're not his if you don't have a spirit. Down in verse 14, and this is where we're going to end it here. As far as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. He goes at first by saying, listen, I am telling you very clearly, if you don't have a spirit at all, you're not his. Can you help him find the restroom? <laughs> Praise God. I assume he probably doesn't know where it is. <laughs> uh, if you don't have the spirit at all, you're not his at all. But then he goes and says, but if you're not led by the spirit, you're not his son. Mm-hmm. Well, what's the deal? Well, what do you mean? That's Okay, so I thought all I had to do was have the Holy Ghost and I'm all set. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you're wrong about that. That, that, that's a misunderstanding. Right. He says you have to have the spirit. I mean, listen, we're, we're not just breathing, right? 
I mean, I could lay down on this altar and breathe for 24 hours a day for a time, but if I'm not eating and drinking, it's good. It's true. If I'm not getting up and moving around, it might take some time, depending on what my activities actually are, but I'm going to die on this altar. The breath inside of me gives me mobility. They used to tell us that when we, when we took martial arts years ago. If you don't breathe right, you can't move right. And that goes along with any physical discipline. I don't care if you're jogging or lifting weights or whatever you're doing. If you're not breathing right, you're not moving right. The breath is to give you proper mobility. So the idea of breath is not just to have it. It's to be led by it. You can't, I can't even speak the words I'm saying to you right now without breath. Right. Isn't that amazing how we have so deleted the breaths out of a speech? You know what I'm saying? I was listening to Dr. Jeffers last week, and he was really getting into it. He was really getting into it. And he, ah, ah, you know, and I was like, wow, he's really preaching hard. I can hear his breaths because normally we don't even hear them. We can hear them without hearing them. I'm talking to you, and probably most of my inhales, you don't even remember. Why? Because we're just so used to hearing people exhale, inhale, exhale, inhale, right? Right? It's just part of it. But I can't even speak without it. I can't do anything without his breath, without his spirit. So he's like, if God's spirit's in you, then you got it. But if you're taking the breath that he gives you and just sitting on it, you're not his inheritor. That word son there gives us the idea of we are his inheritors. We inherit the promises of God. How do we do that? By walking in the spirit, walking in the light, not walking in the flesh, walking in the power of God, walking in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Not making excuses, not listening to the lies of the devil that says we can't do it. Praise God. First John 4, 1 through 6. We've been talking a lot about this. The Lord won't leave me alone about 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4, beloved. Now let me give you just a second to get there. 1 John, right at the end of your Bible, 1 John chapter 4. It's a small little letter. Sometimes it's hard to find. It's right near the end. 1 John chapter 4. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. What does that mean? What, do you, what does that mean? False prophets are gone out in the world. What he's saying is, you've got to make sure you're hearing from God, because there's a lot of guys out there that will tell you things that are wrong. Right. I pray the Lord Jesus Christ for my sake and your sake both that I'm not telling you anything wrong today. Praise God. And we're all humans and we all make mistakes, but we can't let that be a cop-out. Right. I must walk in here full of the Holy Ghost in order to be able to speak this word to you. Or it's going to come out wrong. I can't afford I love philosophy. I love thinking. I love thinkers. I love all that. But I cannot bring that to the table. You know me. I love... English, and I love math, and I love science, and I love history, and if I use those examples, I must consecrate them under the Spirit of God, or I should never even talk about it. Praise you, God. I know a lot of you don't like those things I talk about, but you don't understand. 
How I've gone before the Lord in prayer. And He's brought these things out of the treasure that He's put in my heart. He never would have showed them to me unless He wanted me to talk about them every once in a while. Don't get mad at the style or the, the implements of it. Just understand by the Spirit that the Lord is speaking. Amen. And not just a man. Right. We can't afford that. We're too close to the end to be messing Praise around with false Jesus. doctrine and just here to play some game. Praise you, Jesus. Amen. We cannot afford to play this game. Well, I don't. I don't agree, Pastor. I was talking to uh, Brother Dave, Brother Chris, a couple weeks ago. The Lord gave me a message years and years ago uh, about three deadly attitudes. One of those attitudes was. If I don't agree, I don't have to obey. You better think again and read your Bible again and start praying again. What did Jesus tell his disciples? Watch and pray so that you do not enter into temptation. Because the spirit is very willing, but your flesh is weak. And if you're not going to bother to watch and pray, you are going to fall into temptation. You're going to fall into every false idea. And when God tells us to do something, it don't matter if you agree or if you like it. If you go the way of Cain, or if you go the way of Korah, or if you go the way of Balaam, or if you go the way of Judah, it's on you. Praise you, Jesus. It's on you. We, we, we won't have an excuse. He says, listen, there's a lot of false prophets out there that are preaching it wrong. Because of this, you can't just listen to a man. And you cannot make a man your God. Right. He could be a very good man. He could be a very good preacher, a teacher, whatever. You can't make him a God. Right. I told the church many years ago, I said, do not set me on a pedestal. Because that pedestal will topple. And the bigger the pedestal you put me on, the farther I have to fall. You want to see your pastor crash and burn? Then you put him up on a pedestal. I'm not telling you to disrespect me. Amen. Right. You respect you and honor the position Jesus. God has given me. Yes. Praise okay? you, God. No matter if I step on your toes, you still honor me. You still respect me. Praise you, God. Because, listen, Paul says to Timothy, give double honor to those that preach and teach the word. And that's what I do. Praise you, Jesus. But I'm not here to tout my own greatness. What I'm here to tell you is do not put me up on some pedestal. Amen. Just because you're not putting me on a pedestal does not mean you have to disrespect me. Amen. And, you know, keep me in my place. I've had too many... People do that over the past, that they needed to come up to me after church and tell me all the ways I missed it. Mm-hmm. Well, you don't know my relationship with God. Amen. I go to Jesus after every service and ask yes. him what I missed. Praise you, and you know what? He often tells me. Praise you, God. He often tells me, yep, you missed it there. You said that and you shouldn't have. You didn't say this when you should have. Yeah, I get, I get a progress report from the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise you, God. I'm not trying to say, oh, you know, I'm a holy man up on the mountain. I'm just telling you we can have this kind of communication with Jesus. Amen. It's not just preachers that get to have that communication. We all do. Amen. Praise you, God. We all have the availability. He says, listen, guys are out there. They're saying wrong things. I don't know why. I don't get it. I don't understand it, but they're there. Why would anybody want to be a preacher in these days? I mean, really, I mean, how... It would be like being an actor or a musician. You know how many millions of people are in our nation alone out there trying to make a name for themselves acting or, or playing music or whatever else they're doing? Mm-hmm. You know, YouTubers. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. some, some of these guys make it. Yeah. Do you know the vast majority of them do not? Mm-hmm. They're struggling. They're starving. Come on, that's why they call them starving artists, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, back in you know, the, the, the French... 
you know, uh, Impressionist period. You know how many people that were trying to be Monet's and Renoir's and all those guys? Mm. And most of them failed. Mm. And most of them literally starved. You know, and some of them, like Van Gogh, never had one moment of fame while he, while he lived. Wow. <laughs> it was only after he died that people realized, oh, this guy had some pretty good talent. <laughs> the guy died! You know, and then you've got super brilliant men like uh, Nikola Tesla, who died penniless. And it's only like after 100 years that we realize, oh, that guy is pretty smart. Yeah. You know how many people out there that are trying to make it? I don't understand why anybody would try to be a preacher these days if they're not willing to preach the truth. Mm, praise God. I mean, there's a few out there that I think are preaching a false doctrine, and they're getting millions. Mm -hmm. yeah. But there's really, I mean, really, there's not that many of them when you think about it. There's not a lot of those big, big-name preachers that are, you know, and I'm not saying they're all wrong either. I'm just saying the ones that are wrong, there's not that many of them that are just totally duping me. But that's why I don't understand all I do know is what the Word says. Amen. They're out there. It may be that it's the reason why people are trying to be actors and singers and whatever else they're trying to do, right? Mm -hmm. Fashion designers, I don't know. Why? Because they're trying to make a name for themselves and they're hoping to make it rich. And they just haven't been able to succeed yet. Or if ever. Mm -hmm. I, I, I think some of these guys are doing that. Their, their false prophets are out there for the wrong reason. Verse 2, hereby ye know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now already is in the world. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And this is what we're coming down to. Don't let the devil tell you you can't live by the Spirit. There's no condemnation if you're living by the Spirit. There's no condemnation even if you make mistakes while you're trying to walk by the Spirit. Because that's different from walking in the flesh. Pastor, you can't be in the, in the Spirit and sin. I would agree with that. But we are humans. And that's not an excuse or a cop-out. We are humans. We, are, we do live in a flawed human nature body, right? Mm -hmm. And even though we're pushing for God and we're seeking after God and we are His Word, we are in His Spirit and we're led by His Spirit. We're, we're not just His, we're His sons. Even so, we still make mistakes. Don't fool yourself that you can't. But in that place, He says you have an advocate. That's again in 1 John. He says, listen, I'm writing to you little children that you don't sin, but if you do, you have a lawyer, a defense lawyer, that will stand before you and say, hey, listen, he's trying. Right? Amen. Right? Amen. Well, before, you know, if we think, oh, I got the Holy Ghost, I got the Holy Ghost 42 years ago. But I can't just afford to sit down and say, well, hey, I've got the Holy Ghost 42 years. I'm better than most of you people in this room. That ain't going to work. That ain't going to work. Length of years in the Holy Ghost don't make you better. Right. It's activity in the Holy Ghost is what makes you righteous. Right. And when you're righteous, I'm just as righteous as someone who got the Holy Ghost yesterday. Amen. I'm not of greater righteousness or less. We're the same righteousness. Because we have the righteousness of God. Praise Come on, can anybody hear me? Yep. Yes. See, it's a carnal mind to think of years. 
and all this. Oh, yeah, of course there's respect. Yes. There's respect for someone who's walked in the Lord as long as I have. Hallelujah. There should be. Amen. We, we, should, we should respect things like that. But many of you have walked that long too. Yep. Some of you have. Not many of you. Some of you have. And there's respect for that. Mm -hmm. But that's not all there is to it. We've got to consistently walk. Amen. Amen. Praise God. I'm almost done. Verse 5. They are, they are of the world, therefore speak they of the world, and the world heareth them. We are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us, and he that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. He says this idea of people who are not listening to the spirit of truth, they cannot hear the spirit of truth. So where do you break into that? This is what we said last week. How do you get into the Spirit? By getting into the Spirit. Mm -hmm. How do you learn how to pray? By praying. Mm -hmm. Well, it's the same with anything. How do you learn how to sing? You've got to start singing sometime, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you, you can go to some music school and you can learn everything there is to know about singing. But if you've never opened up your voice and tried, uh, I guarantee, I don't care if you're the most talented person in the world. I don't, you're, you're going to be off pitch at least a little bit. I mean, I'm sure we've all seen, well, that's a bad assumption. There's this little, I've never saw the show, but I saw the little girl who went on the competition. She was only like four, and she sang these songs. She's so wonderful, and, you know, and she became like this total, like, internet sensation because she's such a beautiful little girl, and she's such a great singer. Yeah, but even, even her, she, she obviously has a lot of natural talent. To be able to sing at that age. Mm -hmm. Now she's a lot older, but and and I don't follow her, by the way. <laughs> I don't really care. But uh, you know, I've, it, it was popular enough years ago that you know you you I can't hardly do anything on the internet without hearing about this wonderful little girl in a competition who sings so great. Anyway, yeah, I've heard some of her songs, and I'm like, yeah, she was off key there. Well, she missed her timing there. So, oh, you're such a meanie. No, it's not being mean and mean. It's just my analytical brain hearing that, yeah, she's got a lot of natural raw talent, but she's not trained. Right, right. But I guarantee you one thing. Before she ever got up to that competition, she did some singing. Mm -hmm. Somewhere along the way, the natural talent met with activity. Mm -hmm. Amen. How did, how did she get to a place where most four-year-olds... Cannot do. She, she sang a lot before she even got there. Right? It doesn't matter what you do. How do we get in the Spirit? You know, if I'm not hearing the, from the Spirit of God, that means I can't hear from the Spirit. Ah, oh, that scares me because i got to break into this loop somewhere. Yeah, it's one of those things. Uh, you know, you, we, 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 we want to kind of test the waters. Just jump on it. you got to jump on it. What if the river carries me away? Then it carries you away. You know, uh, Brother Good said this some time ago. Don't be so afraid of wildfire that you have no fire. Mm. Listen, don't be more afraid in what the devil can do to you than what God can do for you. Praise God. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're not here to be afraid of the devil. What if I get into this and then I get off into some cult? Well, if you're that afraid, then the thing which you feared the most will happen to you. Mm. That's good. Just trust. Trust in Jesus. Mm -hmm. Amen? Yeah. Trust in yeah. Jesus. Hereby we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. I have often wondered, how is it that the straightforward word of God, unadulterated word of God, can come to people 
Even people right here at times. And they cannot hear because they're hearing the spirit error. Why? Because they are not testing the spirits. How do we do this? It all comes down to two ideas. I know I've been talking a lot about that the last several weeks. Let me talk to you again about it. It comes down to this. Is the spirit or the attitude that's in your heart and mind, is it love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness, faith, temperance? Is it all those things, that, those fruit of the spirit, right? Yep, yep. Is it that or is it anger, bitterness, grief, offense, sadness, depression, anxiety? If it's any of that stuff, it does not come from God, folks. Well, let's say you hear the word of God and it just makes you angry in your heart. Well, whether the guy speaking was wrong or right, you're not hearing from God. Right. Well, I'm only not hearing from God because he said something wrong. No, your attitude says you're not hearing from God either way. And if there was anything the man of God said that was right, you can't hear it because you're only hearing the spirit of error. It's like me picking out all the problems with that little girl, right? Uh, we're just judging the word. What, is the, what does James say about judging the word? If you become judge of the word, you're not a doer of the word. You're too busy picking out all the things. We had a, we had a, a man in the church years and years ago, and you know every, every time uh, he and his wife would go home, he would, uh, he would break down my message and tell, me every, tell his wife everything I said wrong. <laughs> yeah, okay, fine. I'm not a perfect speaker. I've never studied public speaking, you know. I said after my valedictorian speech, thank God I'll never have to speak in front of a crowd again. <laughs> well, that didn't work out. No. I'm not a professional speaker. I make mistakes, and I, I even I'm sure many of my examples that I've given are not being perfectly uh, right on. I, I've even heard great speakers say the wrong thing. Come on, easy stuff like replacing Noah for Moses, right? Or Elijah for Elisha. Or, you know, those are little simple ones, but then... Sometimes we, we can even go so far as to say, you know, using the Lord for the devil sometimes. I've done that. Mm -hmm. oh, oh, no, 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 no. Cut that off. <laughs> you know, let's get this right. No, 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 it's not the devil, it's the Lord. You know, you, you got to, why would I ever? Is that some sort of a Freudian slip? No, we don't descend into psychology, all right? You know, no, it was, it was a slip of the tongue. It was a mistake because I was probably going to point out something the devil does do. And I had that word already, you know, ramped up in my mind right. to spit out to you. And, and, and I said it in the wrong place. Yeah, listen, I'm not making excuses for myself, but we do make mistakes. Yes. I can guarantee you, even in this message today, I've made mistakes. But I can also guarantee you, well, I can't guarantee you, the spirit inside of you can if indeed you have the Holy Ghost and are led by the Holy Ghost and are hearing the spirit of truth, I can identify with you that you are hearing from the spirit today and not just from a man. Amen. Why? Because we're looking at the word. I want, I want to go through a little bit of exercise here. You know, any kind of category in our life, if we do it in the flesh, it's going to turn out wrong. If we do it in the spirit, it's going to turn out right. Okay, I just, I just made a little list. You're not going to find this in the Bible, but it comes down to self-serving, self-sacrifice. Which one do you think is self-serving, flesh or spirit? Flesh. flesh, absolutely. That means the one that is self-sacrificing is spirit. Amen. Jesus came to die for our sins, self-sacrificing. He didn't come to set up his rule at that time. The second time he's coming, he can. Why? 
Because he's already laid it all down. He's already given his life. Now he can come and set up his kingdom. Right, amen. I mean, he already set up his kingdom, but now he can literally do it physically on earth the way they thought he was going to do it 2,000 years ago. Because he first had to sacrifice himself. And the spirit that says Jesus Christ has come in the flesh tells you that it is a self-sacrificing spirit. If you're feeling something, and it's not just negative versus positive emotions, but you're feeling something that is just a desire in your heart, and it's something good for you, that is self-serving, folks. Right. All right? That's just a self-serving act. I want this because it's going to make me feel good. Or it's going to, it's going to make me wise. You know, it's good for food and it's pleasant to the eyes. and It's good to make one wise. Anybody re- re- recognize that passage yes. out of Genesis chapter 3, right? Yes. How about 1 John chapter 2? Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, pride of life. It's all the same yeah. stuff. When we start feeling that stuff that ma- wants to make us... You know, shine in front of others and make ourselves look really good and impress somebody. I have to come in here often and say, Lord God, I can't impress you. And I'm not here to impress these folks. And I know me too well to know that I can't impress myself. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not even true. <laughs> uh, I impress myself all the time. No. Uh, I'm kind of like Moses in that. I'm the meekest man. No. No, I, no we can't. We can't fall into the flesh and even impress ourselves. But in the spirit of, I can't impress you, God. I can't, make, I can't make God go, Ooh, that was a pretty good word. Why? Because he's the one that sent the word. <laughs> you know, I, I'm not here to impress any of you. If I am, uh, fire me. You can't. But uh, uh, try <laughs> We're not here for that. If that's a self-serving attitude. I'm not here to make money. That's a self-serving attitude. Okay. Listen, if we're doing stuff just for us, selfish desires, self, it's flesh. If it's self-sacrificing, hey, Jesus says it's easy to pray for the people you love. It's easy to pray for the saints. It's not so hard to pray for the sinners. Self-serving. Can we pray for the sinners even when they're spitting in our face? How about ministry? Ministry in the flesh is all about taking. In the spirit, it's all about giving. Well, these are simple ideas, but I think you can grab a hold. Yeah. How about authority? If you're exercising authority in the flesh, you're a tyrant. If you're exercising authority in the spirit, you're a servant. Praise God. Praise God. Mm-hmm. How about the gifts of the spirit? If you're operating the gifts of the spirit in the spirit, so well, how can you operate the gifts of the spirit in the flesh? Because the gifts and calling are without repentance. Right. Sometimes you can use a gift that, that is totally carnal. Or you can try to use a gift that's not coming from the Spirit, and that's definitely carnal. But if you're using the gifts of the Spirit in the Spirit, it's edifying to the church. It's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, right? If you're using the gifts in your flesh, it's got to be the opposite of edifying. It's got to be destroying. How about giving? Jesus says, hey, don't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. What you're doing in secret, God will reward you openly. So when we're even giving or doing charitable acts... We do it in hiding. We, we do it anonymously. But the people that really want everybody to know what they're doing, they go so far, according to Jesus, they, they blow their little trumpets in the market, right? Look how much I'm giving in the offering plate. No, I'm not, I'm not saying anybody here is doing that. You're not. Praise God. We, we totally cut out offering service in this church. We just put a plate in the back. You want to put something in there? Praise God. I hope you do. 
Because your offerings and tithes keep this place open until the day that we sell this place. So uh, until then, we still got to have heat and lights, and me and Amber still have to have a place to live. So <laughs> please keep giving. Yeah. All right? Anyway, um, but, you know, we, we don't have to make a big show about it. Well, uh, you know, the, the two mites was better than everything. Right. Just because she was doing it for the right reason. Right. Mm -hmm. Amen. Logic. Oh, you know, you know, you guys know I love logic. Mm -hmm. But it's destabilizing in the flesh. It's founding in the spirit. Mm -hmm. God gives us thoughts. God gives us reason. Mm -hmm. But if it's in the spirit, it's actually going to help us get founded in the word. If it's in our flesh, it's just going to destroy our foundation. Mm -hmm. How about emotions? Emotions aren't wrong. It's just in the spirit, they flow. In the flesh, they gum everything up. Wisdom. Well, Paul makes it very clear. Some wisdom is demonic. Some wisdom is of the spirit godly. Right? Which one do you want? Talents. Our talents can be very miserly or they can be very generous. Which one do you think is right? How about this one? This is a good one. Boldness. Boldness in the flesh is presumption. Just because you're a bold person doesn't mean you're always right. Boldness in the flesh always shows up as presumption. Always. Boldness in the spirit shows always, oh, I, I, bad English, always shows up as righteousness. For the righteous shall be bold as a lion. Hey, boldness in and of itself is not wrong. Neither is ministry, authority, talent, wisdom, logic, emotion, any of the stuff I wrote up that is down on my little list. And there's, hey, listen, we can make a longer list than this. It's just I see some of you yawning and nodding off. So I must be done. Stand with me. We can make a long list, but really it all comes down to the same thing. If it's of the flesh, it's not doing you any good. It's not doing me any good. It's not doing the church any good. It's not doing your family any good. It's not doing your community any good. It's not doing your job place any good, your school any good. No, no good thing can come out of the flesh. That's what Paul said. There is no good thing in me that is in my flesh. Now he had to quantify that, or qualify that rather. Why? Because he's got the Holy Ghost inside of him. Right. He says, there's no good thing inside of me. Oh, well, I'm talking about my flesh. Because the Holy Ghost is good. Right, amen. Spirit's leading is good. We have been called by that servant of God, the temple of the Holy Ghost. Peter says, this tent has housed the Spirit, right? So whether you're talking about Peter or Paul, whether you're talking about tent or tabernacle, uh, or, or temple. Listen, we are the dwelling, however temporary, in this form. We are the dwelling of the Holy Spirit. If so, be that the Spirit of Christ be in you. And we are the inheritors of every promise of God, if you are being led by the Spirit. Praise you, God. Can we seek after the face of the Lord here today for a minute or two? Hallelujah, Jesus. Lord God, please help me to hear the spirit of truth yes, and not the Jesus. spirit of error. Yes, Lord God, help me to be self-sacrificing yes, rather Jesus. than self-serving. Yes, help me, Lord God, not to be condemned in my flesh, yes, but Lord God, Jesus. to be approved. Yes, Jesus. And a son of God in the spirit. Yes, Jesus. Lord God, help me not to fall to the weaknesses of flesh. Hallelujah, Jesus. But rather be led by the willingness of the Spirit that you have given me. Praise you, God. I need you, Lord God. 
Lord God, I need you. Yes, Jesus. Fill us again with the Holy Spirit. Yes, Jesus. Lord God, fill us up again with spirit and with life. Fill us up again with your word and cause us to walk in your word. Lord God, cause us to walk in the Spirit. Cause us to walk in the light as you are in the light. To be perfect as you are perfect. To be holy as you are holy. Lord God, to look upon you and become like you. Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, let's just pray for it. A few minutes, folks. Come on. Hallelujah. This is not impossibility. Come on, this is in the realm of possibility. You can do it. If you will put forth the effort, you can do it. Hallelujah. You don't have to be sick. You don't have to be tired. You don't have to be depressed. You don't have to be any of these things. God is better than that in you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be scared. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.